I'm almost glad that I'm going to be missing Kay Jim because I forgot that Dance was in it. She's in it for like two seconds. Yeah, that's all that matters. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we're doing an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it still has opinions about literacy. Literacy! Reading is important, everybody. Remember that. It's fun and fundamental. In case you haven't guessed, this is Roxy Rumbles. This is season two, episode 13, aka episode 39. This is our second literacy episode within the same season. Five episodes later, another literacy episode. And it has the gall to use the same literacy song. Open a book. No. No. Oh. This episode was written by Gina Bacar. Now she writes one more episode of Gem. This is her first one. She writes another episode in season three called That Old Houdini Magic. So she writes our second literacy episode and our second magician episode. Here's the thing, you guys. I had to like double check this because when I googled her name, stuff came up that I wasn't sure was associated with her, but it turns out it was. Gina Bacar did some cartoon writing, but she's more recently found her niche she is a uh, saucy romance novel writer. Oh my goodness. She has a harlequin.com profile. I love this lady already. She's written such books as The Blonde Samurai, Naughty Bits, Spies, Lies, and Naked Thighs, Tokyo Rendezvous, and Naughty Paris. Those all sound like titles of romance novels from inside the gem universe. They do, don't they? I'm going to go download some of these right now. Yeah, Gina Bacar. Gina Bacar, she is on Harlequin. I, I guess she actually worked as a like consultant in Japan for a while for, for business relations between the United States and Japan. So she just has a really fascinating life. She has the life of a romance novel protagonist. She absolutely does. She also speaks six languages. Which of these should I download? Uh, I know that her breakout was apparently the blonde geisha, so you might want to start there. Because there's no way that that could be slightly racist. Spies, Lies, and Naked Thighs does definitely, though, have the best title. So this is great. This is the best. Let's get started at KRTV. The Misfits are, are hosting TRL, is what I'm getting here. Late 80s TRL. Looks like it. Which, why would anyone hire the Misfits to host anything and not give them any kind of, like, training or rehearsal? And this isn't even, like, a... a like a Total Request Live sort of spot. This is just them in front of a camera doing a live reading of a commercial. And look, not counting the opening theme, this is approximately 15 to 20 seconds into the episode where Stormer rolls into the shot with, but Roxy, shouldn't you tell them you can't read? It's like the fourth or fifth line in the whole episode. In case you were wondering what this episode is going to be about, Roxy can't read. Yeah, Roxy's expected to read off of a teleprompter and uh, that's a problem. Yeah, that does not work out. She messes up, certainly, because nobody just told her what her line was going to be. They didn't practice this at all. Nope. Anyway, everybody gets mad at Roxy and they start fighting. And then one of them shouts, blow it out your ears, which is magnifique. I love PG rated versions of swear word statements. And then they start like hair pulling on air. It's pretty great, uh, which you'd think is actually what the network would be okay with, because this is basically the Misfits hashtag brand. And so you'd think that would bring in more customers, because this is what they expect from the Misfits. This is what they're craving if they're fans. They've seen Lindsay's show. 
the director of this debacle puts his head in his hand and says, I gave up dog food commercials for this, which implies one of two things. This is either the worst thing that's ever happened to him or dog food commercials are a really cushy gig. Probably both, because imagine getting to work with the puppies. <gasps> so many pups. All your pups. But the Misfits march out with their hat bags in hand. They're n- never going to be asked to guest host for KRTV again. And as they walk out, who's getting ready for a commercial? But Jim in the holograms. And they're not doing a superstar PA. No, they're doing a public service announcement about literacy. They have a rock out a literacy tour, which is his actual name. And they dragged Bonnie into this. With live appearances in 47 cities from Philadelphia to San Diego. Why Philadelphia? There's a whole East Coast, you're kind of... I mean, I I know why they're saying Philadelphia, because that's where Roxy's from later. But wouldn't it make more sense to be like, from New York to San Diego? Because then you're covering the whole continent. Well, look, they're from California. They don't know what the rest of the country is. Bonnie is also here for some reason, right? And this is what I don't get. It's all of the holograms and also Bonnie. Is this because Bonnie lost her eyes once, so now she understands the true importance of literacy? They just needed a child involved to, like, get Roxy to read, and both Ashley and Chrissy might be too abrasive for the role. I would absolutely love to see Ashley, like, badger Roxy into reading, though. So back at Misfits Music, Eric is paying the Misfits minus costs. Roxy smashed up a guitar, so her paycheck is smaller. Also, he's handing out the paychecks in cash. From a briefcase full of money! So Jenna notices that Roxy is sort of staring at the at the receipt statement for her paycheck upside down and makes fun of her for it. Then Pizzazz joins in. They say she's too stupid to read and they tease her about like signing her name and it's just mean. Yeah, it's really vicious even by their standards. Especially because usually everybody gangs up to make fun of Stormer. Like is the moral of this episode learn to read or the misfits will make fun of you? Because the misfits will make fun of you no matter what you do. Anyway, Roxy decides that's enough. She just up and quits the Misfits. And then Pizzazz says it doesn't matter. We're the only friends she's got. That's really sad. Pizzazz, holy jeez. Okay, so this is a bit of a weird episode because we have a song now, but the person who sings the song and the name on the song is Roxy. This is a solo number from Roxy called I'm Gonna Change. This is just Pizzazz's singing voice. No, exactly. This is the important thing. Roxy's singing voice is exactly the same as Pizzazz's, which explains why she sounds exactly like Pizzazz backing up Pizzazz in a Misfits song. Maybe that's why she was chosen. I fully accept that. Anyway, there's a lot of like leaf on the wind, watch how I soar imagery in this. Yeah, and she like snaps and walks and twirls on a star on Hollywood Boulevard and talks about she's going to change. And it's it's pretty nice. I mean, it's nothing super special. There's this cute little moment where she imagines herself showing off her new wealth and success to the Misfits and Stormer's like happy for her, but the other two glare at Stormer. Yeah, of course it would be Stormer who's happy for her. Also, there's a sequence where she runs away from letters that are floating in the air menacingly in case you forgot this episode is about literacy. It doesn't give you an opportunity to very often. Anyway, uh, then Roxy gets hit in the face with a plot device. Yeah, she gets hit in the face with this little slip of paper and she pulls it off her face and goes, what's this? A lottery ticket. And it says lottery ticket on it, which begs the question, how does she know? Huh. It could be a receipt for all she knows. Yeah, that's true. She's like cartoon illiterate, which means she can't tell when a piece of paper is upside down. Because 
there's nothing subtle about Jim. She goes to the lottery, stands in line behind a lady, um, and then eventually gets to hand over her ticket. And the guy, like, runs it, and Roxy immediately is like, oh, well, I didn't figure anything would come of it. And as she's about to walk off, the old guy steps out and says, no, you've won a million dollars. Quick check, Mac. How much is a million dollars in 80s fun bucks? I'm glad you ask. $2,106,170.77. Dang. Although, how much does she make as a misfit on average? Not a lot. I mean, her pay stubs at $24,000, but it's also a possibility that Eric knew she was illiterate and decided he didn't need to hand out accurate pay stubs. Yeah, that's true. Does he actually know she's illiterate? I mean, everybody else seems to. I mean, Stormer does. I don't know if Judah and Pizzazz actually know or were just like making fun of her for looking at it upside down or like, ha, she must not be able to read or something. That'd be dumb. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. Well, right. Roxy has made a million 80s fun box overnight. From Park Litter. So back at Misfits Music, Pizzazz is mad that Roxy is late for rehearsal and Stormer's like, but she quit. Roxy does show up with a duffel bag comically stuffed with cash. It's hemorrhaging money. She's like, sup losers, I'm leaving forever. And Pizzazz gets so mad. She's like, you'll be back. Nobody leaves the Misfits. Title card. Roxy leaves the Misfits. Remember when Stormer was terrified that they were going to kick her out of the Misfits? I bet she's feeling a lot better about it now. Right? Also, what I really love is that in this scene, Roxy says, You won't have Roxanne Pellegrini to kick around anymore. Are you really sure you want to be quoting Nixon in this situation? I, hey, I, 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 don't, I can't remember anything, like, bad happening to him. Yeah, I, everybody loved Nixon. He's not a crook. Mm-mm. He said so himself. I also want to point out that after Nixon said that, he was definitely around for more kicking. So Jenna and Stormer decide they are going to follow Roxy and see why she has a duffel bag comically stuffed full of cash. Also, they call it her purse, which implies that she normally just carries a duffel bag around as her purse. Which, you know, Roxy, I could buy that. So they follow Roxy as she walks into, oh, the house of glamour. She walks in and she announces, hey, everybody, listen up. I want a whole new image. Give me the works. She demands a full makeover, which is apparently what the House of Glamour does. Because they do not tell us otherwise. So we pop into our second song. This one we've heard before. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, it's the Misfits' Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Except Roxy's sort of singing it by herself, but, it, you know, don't worry about it. We last heard this in the World Hunger Shindig, by the way. Slightly different context, not that different. I can't quite tell if I like this better or not, because I like, I really like the sequence and I like the way they time the music video. I think it, I think the visuals work well. But also the other one had glam rock evil cowboys. It's true. And glam rock evil cowboys are pretty awesome. Speaking of Roxy's all new image, all new, all different Roxy Pellegrini, her hair is just like, I think they change up her bangs a little. Is that the difference? Yeah, kind of. His prom queen chic is just her hair is slightly nicer and she's wearing a really ugly pink frilly dress and opera gloves. And Roxy decides that she's going to go home to Philly and show off how rich and famous she is now. Yeah, because one valet, as he gives her her fancy car, is like, if only the folks at home could see you now. Which I think is a valid thing to say to someone in LA. Nobody's from LA. That is pretty safe. So she drives directly from California to Philadelphia. Like, she doesn't seem to stop. She just gets in, uh, puts on her sunglasses, and drives. We even get one of those, like, Indiana Jones-style map overlays, though it makes the assumption that you can just drive as the crow flies to get from LA to Philly. Roxy pulls into Philly after traveling by map, 
like, I guess this is Philly. It's not blatantly not Philly in some in the way some other cities in this show have been blatantly not those cities. I mean, there's there's a sign. I mean, they didn't show us the Liberty Bell. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. We're not even in like Colonial Williamsburg or anything. Roxy drives into a, quote, rough neighborhood, which I guess is her old neighborhood. And then she leaves her incredibly fancy car just sitting there unlocked in the middle of the street. Roxy, you're from here. You know what a bad idea that is. It doesn't have even like a fold up top. It's a convertible. She should come back and that car should be gone. At least the wheels, right? But nobody in her neighborhood is here to see her victory because they're all out rocking out of literacy. Oh, no! Yeah, they just kind of set up like a pavilion in the street for the rock out of literacy thingy. We want to make people aware of reading. Because like people wouldn't be aware that reading is a thing otherwise. Can you imagine literacy, adult literacy being like the biggest social cause you can think of? What a time to be alive. Was everyone just really bored of being scared of communism? I mean, it kind of wears you down after a while, right? Bonnie decides to confront a bunch of Philadelphia gang members about illiteracy. Why is she unsupervised? And she also decides to tell them that they are helpless if they can't read. She's talking down to them the whole time, too. Yeah. Which is kind of weird for an eight-year-old girl to do to three adult men. They have t-shirts that say red aces, and maybe she thinks that that sounds kind of like red hair, and well, she's just got to check, right? Yeah, these are three members of the Red Aces gang who wear t-shirts that say Red Aces on them. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty glad that every gang in the gymverse has a t-shirt that they wear all together. It's a sense of camaraderie. It's so great. I also particularly love the Red Aces because we find out that all three of these men are are illiterate. And it just has the word Red Aces printed on there. There's not even like a card symbol or anything. Here's my question. How do they know whether their t-shirts say Red Aces? Exactly. They are taking this on faith. They gotta have a really scrupulous t-shirt merchant. They could have just printed anything on there. I mean, it's a lot like those people who go to tattoos and get like symbols on them that they swear mean peace. No, no, no. I know what this is. If all of the gangs that we've seen so far in Gem have matching t-shirts, then there has to be, like, an underground, like, t-shirt gang maker guy. In the same way that mobs have specific doctors, you have an under-the-table t-shirt guy. Which also begs the question, are these just, like, discarding t-shirts that nobody wanted and were supposed to be destroyed, but instead he's reselling them to gangs and the gangs are just naming themselves after whatever dumb thing is on the shirt? I love that. Because I can imagine a, a client from a t-shirt printer saying, no, I wanted a red ace, not the words red aces on the t-shirt. I love this world. So it turns out Roxy knows the red aces. You know what else we find out about the red aces here? They tuck their t-shirts into their jeans. <gasps> what rebels. Gangsta. I love them. So yeah, Roxy used to run with these guys. It's implied she's a former gang member. And she says, uh, what have y'all been doing since we dropped out of school? Which begs the question, what school did they drop out of? Elementary school? High school? If they dropped out of high school, you'd think they'd know how to read by now, right? It's implied that it's connected. The Red Aces then say that they've been looking for, quote, work. And then Roxy says, well, how would you like to do some work for me? And pulls out her enormous cartoonish suitcase full of money. Money is only ever transferred in Gem and the Holograms vis-a-vis suitcases. There's this weird bit where the lead red ace, Link, is like, I don't know about taking money from a girl, Roxy. What? Is, is that a thing? 
Is that a thing? What the hell kind of sexism is that? I've never heard of that. Neither have I. Is that a thing? Is it because she would be functionally in charge of the job or something? I don't get it. These guys are weirdly sexist and also surprisingly moral because they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if we want to get Gem and the Holograms. They didn't do anything to us and they're giving us a free concert. And then Roxy's like, no, they ruined my homecoming. And they're only here to make everybody look dumb. D-U-M. Dumb. D-U-M. Dumb. Uh, No thanks. No thanks. Was that line really necessary? I don't think it was. Did we really need to hammer home that Roxy can't spell? Do you know this episode is about literacy? Have you guessed yet? Hey, hey, guys, guys. I have. I know something about this episode that will blow your mind. What? It's about literacy. What? <gasps> it's like I get it. I get it. As much as they tried to sell that shtick, the English language is not really all that phonetic. I know. It's got a silent B. Hooked on phonics. You know, I did hooked on phonics. Really? Did it work for you? Well, kind of. In that I did like the first lesson, which was like bat, cat, hat, mat. And I was like, wow, this is super boring. I need to learn how to read so I don't have to do it anymore. Maybe that's how it's supposed to work. Maybe. So they pile into Roxy's car and head off. Back at Misfits Music, Roxy is still not back. And Eric and Stormer agree that the Misfits aren't the same without Roxy. The songs don't work without her. She plays second guitar and her singing voice sounds exactly like pizzazz. How do the songs not work without her? It's not even backup guitar. It's lead guitar again. They're like, we're going to catch the next plane to Philly and make Roxy come back. And Eric says he knows exactly how to get her back. And apparently exactly how to get her back later on, we find out, is he threatens her with her contract. Like, you think this is going to be some elaborate Misfits plot throughout the episode? No, he just shows up at the end and reminds her that she signed a thing. Which doesn't seem like he really needed to, like, fly there himself to do it. That could have been a phone call. But look, Eric just wants to get out of LA once in a while. Can you blame him? He has an office everywhere. Yeah, but no matter where he goes, he can't escape the misfits. Oh, that's grim, actually. All right. So the next day in Philly, the holograms are trying to get to the concert, but there's a traffic backup, so they have to walk. Because it turns out that the Roxy Rumble has set up across the street from Rock Out Illiteracy. It's an enormous street fair that sprung up overnight. And there's like a traffic guy in a helicopter that calls the Roxy Rumble the street fair that appeared literally out of nowhere overnight. It's got free t-shirts and hot dogs and there's like a little carnival thing. She put on a huge fair for for her neighborhood and that's actually really nice of her. I mean, she's doing it for the wrong reasons, but eh, whatever. As we watch, this guy comes over and has Roxy sign a thing and she does so without reading it because there's no way that could come back to bite her. Nah. Over at the Rock had a literacy tour, which doesn't even have an alliterative name. So what's the point? Shane is like, nobody's coming to hear what we have to say about illiteracy. What what could you possibly have to say about illiteracy besides it's bad? We need to bring attention to reading. Rhea's the only new hologram, right? So she's like, all right, has anybody just tried talking to Roxy about this? 
Because she hasn't been there for all the attempted murder. No, and and frankly, the misfits have toned down their attempted murder significantly in season two, so she just doesn't know what it's like. So they try that. Meanwhile, Roxy is mad with power on the merry-go-round atop the fruit-striped gum mascot. And apparently handing out free stuff in Philly is enough to cause mass hysteria. Mass hysteria and riots. There's no more cotton candy or hot dogs. There's no more t-shirts. I'm gonna take this shirt right off your back. They start a freaking riot that the cops and the fire department appear to break up. Somehow their riot is so powerful that the merry-go-round completely unseats itself. It lurches several feet into the air for no reason. Also, a guy gets shoved into a hot dog stand and it collapses immediately. Like it was made of paper. I love the strength of this riot. I love the Roxy Rumble. So anyway, it's time to pay the price. Yep, the cops show up and Roxy apparently signed a contract guaranteeing that she'd pay for all damages plus fees because you can't set up a street fair overnight. She didn't get permits or payment for the vendors or anything. When they're like, why did you sign a bunch of things you can't read? And I'm thinking to myself, there was an episode of Brand Spankin' New Doug exactly like this. Disney's Doug had an episode about illiteracy in the freaking early aughts and late 90s about how the beats broke up and the girl one was the only one who could read because she didn't drop out of middle school. Did they just not start literacy education at kindergarten back then? I don't understand. And Roxy officially becomes the only misfit to suffer legal consequences for anything. It's pretty impressive. The IRS also shows up to abruptly take 50% of your winnings. We looked this up last night. It's actually a thing that they did. They could get up to 50% of your winnings from a lotto. But of course, the IRS wouldn't randomly just show up on the street and just shovel all your money into a bag and walk off with it. Yeah, this guy says he's IRS. Is he really? Well, I don't know. He's got a briefcase. And as we know, briefcase to briefcase transactions are the only way to move money. Anyway... The Red Aces decide they're going to learn to read. You know, it makes me realize I want to be able to read more than a stop sign. I'm going to start using my brains for a change. And Jem's like, that sounds like an opportunity for a song. Also, Bonnie hands Roxy a reading primer. That's a little condescending, isn't it? Bonnie is really condescending in this episode. Where does she get off? She hands Roxy the My First Reader, and Roxy's actually kind of touched by this. But then the Misfits show up, and Eric's like, yo, you signed a contract. You have to perform with the Misfits. Get back here. And Roxy just kind of, uh, okay. Well, we gotta get back to status quo somehow, I guess. And then we have our music video. Just five episodes ago, we had Gem and the Holograms open a book, and here it is again, and they went through the effort of animating a whole new music video for it again. I hate this song. It's not good. We also learned that literacy will help you pick out cereals, like sugar-coated boffos, chocolate flakes, candy-coated zips, healthy cereal, and sugar flax. The imagery here gets kind of weird and terrifying. The word cat on a page turns into an actual live cat, and then a book explodes in somebody's face, showering pages everywhere. So after the song, we're like, make the smart decision. Learn how to read. How many gem viewers don't already know how to read? I mean, they're children. They're in school right now. Theoretically, they have or are learning how to read. Like, how many people with adult illiteracy do you really think this episode is going to reach, show? You know, maybe it's attempting to turn the children into, like, proselytizers, because you've got Bonnie being really condescending to adults and they're about learning how to read. Maybe she's the model for the children watching this. Find an adult who can't read. Irritate them until they learn. 
And it's also like completely disregarding things like undiagnosed dyslexia that might lead to an adult not knowing how to read. Like when they were learning, nobody knew what dyslexia was. There couldn't possibly be a learning disorder, Kit. That'd be silly. They just have to want it hard enough. Like, I mean, obviously, didn't you watch the dance episode? Anyway, you think that's when the episode's over, but it's not. No, we have a whole denouement. Yep, Roxy's sitting in the studio pulling out the little My First Reader book. Apparently, according to the show, one learns how to read by opening up a My First Reader book and then magically knowing what the words mean. That's the thing, right? Roxy seems to at least have some basic phonetic skill, but not something she's ever really used. But earlier in the episode, she was holding her paste dub upside down. And even earlier than that, she was at least able to make out, like, the consonant B followed by a vowel on the teleprompter. So th- this is all over the place. Yeah, this this episode does not actually know how illiterate Roxy is. It just lumps it all together with can't read. And then, most egregiously, we get a repeat of Open a Book. Now for a special repeat performance of Gem and the Hologram's latest concert hit. I know I said I missed these, but I didn't miss them. Like, Lindsay, I love you, but if you make me listen to this song one more time, I'm gonna punch you. Open a freaking book. Open a book. And they used the music video from episode 34 for this, with all, like, the Moppets. I miss those Moppets. We never see them again. You're a starlight girl now, Misfit Moppet. The hell you are. Bye, Sandra. Then we'll never see you again. You'll just disappear into the ether. Like everybody else, Sandra. <sighs> and that's, that's our episode, after they subject us to open a book twice within the span of five minutes. I hate this song. Open a book. That's our episode. That is our episode. That's it. Now, did you guys know, and this this may not have come up a little, but there was a general theme in this episode. It was illiteracy. Wow. I, I had it noticed. I had no idea. How, how did you pick that up, Annie? It's pretty subtle. I mean, I do have a master's. Oh, that's true. Doesn't Mac have the same master's? I do. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm a college dropout. Does that mean I don't know how to read? I've just been lying to myself the whole time. But don't worry. Annie and I can teach you. We'll give you a little reading primer about Dick and Jane and this dog they find. It's a whole thing. You know what? At least we're over we're over the hump now. No more illiteracy episodes. Are you sure? I don't want to get something sprung on me. I'm pretty sure we've got another magician episode, but I don't think we have any more literacy episodes. Thank God. But we do have a very, a very special episode. Oh no. A very special episode. We learn valuable lessons. About not taking drugs. Drugs are bad, you guys. Drugs are bad. And we are going to learn that next time in Alone Again. I'm really, I'm really excited for that episode next time, you guys. Like between dance time, Roxy rumbles and Alone Again, we've commented on this before. We just have this, this garbage trilogy of very special episodes. Jim had enough of an audience at this point to have a cause. Yep. Once your audience is large enough, you can start talking down to them. You are now a moral authority in their lives. What are you going to do with that infinite power? Isn't that the opening to black and white? I think that is actually going to wrap it up for us today. Learn to read. In case you didn't pick up on it. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter and Tumblr. We are at the Gem Jam just about everywhere, except on Twitter where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and you want to support us, a rating, a review, and a subscription 
on any of the places where you find our podcast helps us out a ton. It really helps our metrics and uh, and we like hearing nice things about ourselves. If you have a couple of bucks kicking around, you can submit to our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the gem jam. We are creeping a little closer towards our next milestone where we are going to do uh, Let's Plays with Otome games, which will be phenomenal. A friend of the show has said that they want us to be in Otome hell with them. So that's great. Technically, I already am. You've been podcasting to us directly from Otome hell for the entire duration of this show. (laughs) It's true. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. Where were you? I was, uh, I was looking at pictures of Riot because we discussed Riot's. This happens so many times. Well, you mentioned riots. What do you expect me to do? This has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you that it is better to stay silent and be thought outrageous than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. You know, people have a lot of dolls of Riot where they just pose him shirtless. I didn't know, but it also does not surprise me. I don't know what I expected, really.